Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. And this is going to be a pretty interesting podcast today. I have a a friend of mine, which is actually a friend of my wife's from college, and I don't think I've actually seen her since then. I could be wrong. Heidi, you still there? I'm here. Yes. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm I'm really excited about this podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, uh, the reason I decided that this would be really cool and I wrote to you and I asked, you know, hey, would you be willing to come on? Because I, I've known you via Facebook. I think I've gotten to know you more through Facebook than I did when you were a classmate with my wife in university. But uh, through right. Facebook, I've seen, you know, some of the way that you lay out your arguments, some of your thought processes, you know, as you put them out there in public, I don't know how you, you know, necessarily feel in private, but that's, you know, I've mm-hmm. kind of developed yeah. at least a little bit of an idea. Okay, this is a this is a logical individual. This is a person that is, uh, you know, a, 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 a thinker that is maybe a little bit closely aligned with me on many different topics. And then mm-hmm. I right, saw right. where you find, because you, you live in Southern California, and right now there's like this mandatory uh, stay-at-home order and masks for those that go out. And so you, yep. when it comes to masks, go ahead, share where you stand. Well, you know, I'm, I'm right in Orange County. I'm right in a hot zone right now. And as you know, just being in the U.S. period right now, it's a very divisive and fairly hostile time um, in our nation's history. Pretty interesting time to be in the U.S. But um, I was really surprised when this, you know, back in March when this pandemic started to break out in the U.S. and we started to see numbers going up fairly quickly and alarmingly. Um, I, I was really surprised how quickly the mask issue became such a huge, you know, debate because it seems to me to be such a small thing. Um, I think we're at about 70% or so of Americans who are now willing to wear a mask when they go out, but there's still those resistors. And because of the resistors, it's causing a lot of friction, um, especially for businesses that are really trying to just, keep their customers healthy and open their doors and keep their doors open so that we can rebuild our economy. And then they have these resistors that they have to deal with uh, daily. You know, my, my son's girlfriend works in a retail industry and she has seen everything from abuse to um, being cussed out right at her face. Um, So it's pretty surprising to me that, such a small thing has become such a big issue. 
I feel the same way. Like this really doesn't. And okay, I can see people in every day, especially you were talking about the marketplace with retail. Um, But Mm -hmm. I would think that Christians would be a little bit different. I've seen Christian friends of mine, um, one that is actually a ministry director. I would have asked them to come on, uh, but I didn't because I didn't want to impact their ministry. And I thought, you know, if I just refer to you as Heidi, I'm not really saying your last name, but you know, this is just two anonymous people talking that nobody, and I don't care to take heat. I mean, I take heat all the time. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes to, there's a ministry leader that I'm really connected to, absolutely love. And if I even referred to the type of ministry that they do, it might give them away Um, or even their Mm -hmm. sex. So Mm -hmm. I won't even refer to their sex, but uh, they said, I've gone through and just deleted so many friends on Facebook because they don't believe in wearing masks. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a Christian. And this is something that Uh, And they run a ministry and they are removing people from their social media, which, you know, in some ways uh, kind of makes the influence of their ministry at least a little bit, arguably smaller. And they have Mm -hmm. made a decision Mm -hmm. to be so staunch on their idea that, okay, Mm -hmm. if you don't wear a mask, you're Mm -hmm. not a friend of mine. And I thought, is this, is this a Christian issue? Is this... Because I have friends, you know, I have people actually on our staff at Back to Jerusalem. I've got people on our staff that um, that are people that I'm very close with. And they really feel right. that it is the responsibility of Christians to wear a mask for the betterment mm-hmm. of others. Well, let's let's talk. Let's unpack that for a little bit, because that is really kind of my main motivation behind the mask. Now, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an MD. I can't bring a lot of science to the table here. I I do think there is a little bit of common sense involved with wearing a mask, especially during something spreading so quickly. I mean, we cover our mouth when we sneeze. We cover our mouth when we cough. We do that. It's polite. It's good manners. It shows respect toward other people. So it does make sense to me that a mask would would um, perhaps cause some of those germs to stay away from other people. I think that is common sense. But unpacking what you said about just from a spiritual perspective uh, for the church, I I really find it interesting for me that the biggest motivating factor in why I wear one and I choose to ask my children to wear one is that our faith as Christians is really based on love and care for others above our own selves. So as a mom, I'm kind of wired in some ways. We're kind of wired to think about other people's needs first. But I think the body of Christ, if we could shift our perspective on mass to see it as a way to care for others and respect people in our communities, I think that the church would be better received as well because I do think it causes some struggle between the church and people that staunchly believe in science. It causes, again, more of that divisiveness where the church has an opportunity here to say, I'm wearing this mask, whether I believe it or not, let's just table that, but I'm going to wear this mask out of respect for you and your health and the vulnerable and the elderly. So I'm going to do this out of respect for my community and send a message to you that you're more important than my comfort and convenience. So for me, that's 
that's a message that I want to send. I think Jesus was a perfect example of someone that was willing to give up all his rights in order to put others before himself. And that's something that's pretty clear in our faith. I think this is a very small opportunity to live it out, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of Christians, because they're not doing that, they're feeding that divisiveness. Yeah, what you said, have, have you have you seen the video from um, the American frontline doctors that was like uh, removed and scrubbed and erased off the internet? I, I you know, I've seen so many. And to be honest, because I'm pretty honest and open about my own feelings and tend to fall maybe a little bit more in the middle than a lot of my closest friends and family, they send me everything. So oh, yes, I don't yes, even have I time know. to sift through and all that, of it, but I do kind think of I remember seeing that one. Yeah, yeah, so this has nothing to do with the mask. This is a different subject. I just wondered if you, because this has stirred so much uproar among conservatives. And yeah. in fact, um, I did a podcast about this and, and put up some information about it just because um, I thought it was I, it, it appealed to a different subject. And I'll get to that in a second. But we've actually had supporters that have written in since then and said, yeah, we're dropping you because you are referring to this uh, unethical, un- very biased conspiracy theory type of. Wow. Video. Yeah. Um, and and I. I'm told we're fine with that. Well, uh, I don't we, believe in censorship yes. whatsoever. I and think that's, you and I that, are very yeah, much that's, on the same That's page where I'm at. With, so with here's, here's, if you haven't heard of American frontline doctors, I highly recommend them. Even if you don't agree with them, they're really cool. And I love yeah. the rebellious yeah. side of them. Um, these guys are like renegades, <laughs> right? Okay. So this is a group yeah, of doctors yeah. that came together um, last week. And they stood in front of the Supreme Court and they were together with a congressman and they did a live video on Facebook. Uh And it got like over 800,000 viewers live before Facebook caught it, cut it off and um, YouTube targeted it. Um, I don't know if you saw Don Jr., the president's son, shared about the video. His account was blocked for two weeks for sharing about the video. Oh, wow. Basically what happened was... there were, That's not right. Th- yeah, there was this panel of doctors that are on the front line. Uh, right, one of them is from uh, the area just a little bit north of you in the Los Angeles area. Um, she's a medical mm-hmm. doctor working every day, and it had more to do with a hydroxychloroquine than it did with anything else. They were just right. I think I did see a small portion. I don't think I saw it from start to finish, but I saw a small portion of that. Right. Okay. She was well, talking about the medication, the treatment. Right. Yep. So there's a lady, and you reminded me of her just now when you were talking about, you know, just you don't necessarily like the the question that you had was, or the the thought process that you have, which I agree with, is one in which if it doesn't hurt or harm, but other people believe that it does, me as a Christian, mm-hmm. why would I not do it just to be a testimony? Or another argument that you made right. is that you know to help other the health of others, I will wear it. Um, Dr. Stella, she was there um, and you will notice her right away. She's this feisty lady, graduated medical school in Nigeria. She's now a doctor in Texas Mm -hmm. and she's had 400 um, patients that have been infected with the COVID um, and from everywhere from like, I think she said in the nineties to low twenties, individuals that have heart disease, individuals that have diabetes, individuals that have everything. And she basically said, yeah, 
I have not lost one single patient and I don't intend to. My job is to save American right, lives right. and this is how I'm doing it. And so the reason I liked her is because she's on the front line. She's actually doing it. And, and they asked her, do you wear a mask? And she said, yes, for my patients. Mm -hmm. Right. And they said, right, oh, you don't right. think that it does anything? And she goes, no, but I use my mask to make my patients feel comfortable. Because if she didn't have right. a mask, her patients would not feel comfortable. Uh, and she doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah. believe, you know, in wearing one. And, and I think that her and you actually have more qualifications for, and, and you're like, okay, well, I'm not a doctor. No, you're not. But neither is the director of the WHO. So when someone sure. from the WHO, mm -hmm. you know, is writing the guidelines of what we should do and what we should not do, we should keep in mind that the mm -hmm. current director is not a medical doctor, belongs nowhere near a stethoscope and was actually pushed right, into right. power by China. And that's kind of the big yeah. thing. That's the reason I love talking to people about this current crisis. It's hitting everywhere around the world, but it started in our backyard in China. And one mm -hmm. of the things that the Chinese yeah. are very big on, Chinese, Japanese, yeah. Koreans, it's, it's almost a, an, an Asian stereotype, but Asians mainly wear masks everywhere they go. And right. so when you right. travel in Hong Kong, when you travel in Japan, when you travel in Korea, when you travel in China, you see a lot of people wearing masks. And that started during yeah. in, the, in the 2003 SARS, the very first release of the SARS virus. And, um, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. I just never did. I never did. I never, mm -hmm. you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I never bought into the idea of wearing a mask. If, yeah. if, if I was convinced I would wear one, if I was in your situation mm -hmm. in California where I had to wear a mask, uh, and interact with people, I would wear one. I don't think I would break the yeah. law just to show that, you know, I'm not going to wear a mask. Um, I don't have a problem well, with it, yeah, wear it or not wear it. it. It's a, it's kind of a strange thing that someone would see it so strongly as a loss of their rights. I, I think I actually heard one person um, say that they felt that it was the state's attempt to muzzle them. And I just find that language so inflammatory, um, especially when you're talking about just really kind of a matter of courtesy and respect. And um, one of the things that is interesting, the way our economy, as you know, works in the U.S. is a, a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, the U.S. is full of independent-minded people who are growing businesses. And um, my husband and I, we, we are entrepreneurs and, and helped start a business many years ago. And we've been blessed that the COVID outbreak hasn't been devastating for our business because it's technology related, but so many businesses have just been devastated by this whole thing. And so when I also look at it from an economic standpoint, the wearing of masks, the job of these businesses really is to keep their customers safe and happy, just like you mentioned that doctor with her patient. So I really can't fault a business for requiring masks in order to keep those customers safe and healthy. Uh, one more COVID outbreak for a business, and that could be the end of the road for that company if they get shut down again. So nobody wants to go through that again. So if this is the small price that we can pay to get our businesses open, our economy moving again, it just, it doesn't seem like too much of a personal sacrifice. It's certainly one I can make. 
Yeah, so. I, I can completely logically. I am I am I am on board with you. Um, where yeah. I fall, and and I'm probably a little bit more socially abrasive than you are, because you're a kind, nice mom. That's why I brought you on. But <laughs> but for me, I'm you know, a bit, I have a feisty side. I too, know you do. I know you do. Into trouble now and then. <laughs> but for me, <laughs> I was listening to Governor Newsom. Uh, who's the governor of California, Mm -hmm. for those that are listening from other parts of the world. Uh, Governor Newsom came out and basically said, you know, if you want if you want more of your freedoms back, you're going to have to wear a mask. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. What? You're now you're you're now the 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 fairy to grant freedoms. What? (laughs) Who are you to take away freedoms? I mean, so there's a part of me that's like, well, back up. Yes. I don't have I to hear do you. anything And you know, different. that that may have, I was going to just add that that may have been phrased badly. And I'm not defending Governor Newsom. Trust me, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I've never been a huge fan. I agree with a few things that he's done, but, but along the way, I've never been a big fan of his. But um, what I, but what I believe he meant by that was that it would allow more businesses to continue to open safely and commerce to start going again. But I could be wrong. It may be another case of just overreach on his part. Yeah, no, so. I get that. I, you know, in, uh, it was middle of March. I mean, you're going to remember this more than I do because you're actually in California, but it was the middle of yeah. March that basically governor Newsom came out and said, you know, we need to go into lockdown. Uh, we have we have right, to right. we have to react. There was less than a thousand people that tested positive in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. There was less than twenty mm-hmm. people that had died at that time. But he said, you know, we need to go into lockdown. If right now we are looking at half the state, it was more than fifty percent. More than half the state right. will be infected with uh, about twenty-five million people in the next eight weeks, guaranteed. That was according to their model. Um, and so right, the state right. went into lockdown. I think that a lot of people like you, in good faith, felt that this is something we all must do. And so there was this sure. mandatory yep, lockdown. It was the twilight zone, but yes. Yes. And now we're in August, you and I. And mm-hmm. are we any closer to eradicating this disease? And if not, what is the goal uh, that government should uh, uh, strive for? Yeah, that's the million dollar question right there, because we're here in the U.S., we're at 4.8 million cases and over 160,000 deaths as of yesterday. So that is the question. How, how do we how do we slow it down? Some in some areas, the hospitalization rate is slowing down. So that's a good that's a good sign. But we're we're facing you know, another interesting piece of this is we're facing school closures again in the fall. So um, I think it's been interesting over the last few weeks as they've talked and kind of debated the opening of schools. There's a lot of people that were initially very resistant to the mask idea who have come on board because, you know, nothing panics a parent more than the threat of virtual learning again. So, um, yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind of a bit bit of a nightmare that idea, but I I feel comfortable sending my kids to school, assuming that the school takes some measures to keep the kids healthy. And I think a lot of people here would agree. But 
you know, well, I mean, publicly okay. funded and, schools have to have support from the state to do that. Yeah, well, let me so. say that. In, in so, I'm obviously I'm talking to you from Sweden, who has had a completely different approach. Yeah. We never shut down any schools. The schools will reopen again. Um, after looking right, at the Swedish right. model, uh, almost everybody around us are now going to open up their schools because it it looks like kids are not getting it, which is such a blessing, right? It's such. I mean, can you imagine huge. if kids were, were so huge? Yeah. I mean, it is sad. That's everything that to me right there. It, it really yeah. is. I mean, our parents are going to have to focus on this because it seems to be the hardest hit area among the ranges of like 70 plus year olds. That's the majority mm-hmm. of the deaths. And when I say the, over, the majority, I mean the overwhelming majority, like 99% of our deaths were from people that were over the age of 70. Um, and yeah. uh, that was the yeah. book. And that was because Sweden made a huge mistake in the beginning because nobody knew about this virus, right? We knew very little about it. So the mistake was understandable, but it was still a mistake and it brought mm-hmm. deaths and every death is horrible. So in, in mm-hmm. Sweden, our big, mm-hmm. our big mistake was that the, the elderly homes were not protected. They were not locked down. They were, right. not, they were not sealed right. off. But once that was understood... The, the elderly homes have been locked down, but everybody else has been absolutely free. Um, the schools have been open. Uh, the churches have been open. I say churches, but not any of the bigger churches. All, the church that my wife and I go to, which is a state church, uh, they have remained open, mm-hmm. which has been such a blessing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, uh, Holland. I know that New Zealand, I'm trying to think of some other ones. None of them require masks. Uh, there's no masks yeah. to be found yeah. in any of these areas. And it's because the doctors, so we have, uh, Anders Tegnell, which is a hero of mine, uh, now, because he's kind of got the balls to stand up to the rest of the world. It's like, no, you guys do what mm-hmm. you're going to do. We're going to do what we want to do, which is not Swedish at yeah. all. Um, but he's basically <laughs> like, guys, this is my, this is what I do. I mean, he's, he's trained his whole mm-hmm. life for a pandemic. And, you know, he's, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. in the, the land of the Nobel Peace Prize, he's in the, the land of the Karolinska Institute. This is what he studies all the time. And he basically said, yeah. we got to go through this. The only way to suck it up, because there's eradication, which is not happening. Or yeah. there is yeah. just learning to deal with this in the long term. How do we as a society keep going without shutting down every six weeks? Uh, in this environment. Well, with this specific, so it might be a different virus that we would have to do something different, but this specific one, the, mm-hmm. the he has set in uh, things here in Sweden that I've been pretty appreciative of. And as a person that doesn't want to wear a mask, like me, I'm happy mm-hmm. to be in a country mm-hmm. that doesn't require it and nobody wears it. If you look at the, yeah. uh, we did a, we did a, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Ding Dash or not, but we started our own kind of social yes. media. I have. Yeah, yeah. So we started our own social media called Ding Dash and we took a small little poll and there's, I mean, we don't have that many people on Ding Dash. You know, uh, we said, you know, should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? And, uh, and actually I mm-hmm. phrased it a little bit different. Wear a mask, idiot, was one of them or no, they don't work. And we got pretty much yeah. what I see around the world is that the majority of people don't want to wear a mask. Yeah, well, they're not comfortable. I think we can all agree that they're hot and stuffy, and they're just they're just not comfortable. Um, so it's not something that I think will 
be that we have to do forever. It's not something that's going to be long term. I think what uh, America in particular is trying to do right now is just make other people feel safe opening our country back up and keeping the most vulnerable healthy as healthy as possible and just sending a message of respect in, in certain areas i think it's possible to give people some good distance some social distance and have some space between people but in the more densely popu- populated areas we're just on top of each other and so perhaps that's where um scientifically a mask might be more useful is when it's just impossible to give anybody any space. So I think in, in some countries like Sweden, for example, where it's possible to give people a little bit more space because of the population density, then that, that shouldn't be so much of an issue. But we're all, I think, crossing our fingers that this is going to be a temporary solution. I agree with you completely. It is something we have to live with. It's not something that's just going to go away tomorrow. So hopefully we know a lot more now than we did three, four months ago with regards to treatment. You know, I, I don't know if he's if he's discussed the idea of herd immunity and potential vaccines down the road. Um so that it's going to be a ro- a long road till we get there, but um, I'm hoping it's a temporary situation. But for me, I think the main message here is just sending a message of respect to others and not creating an, yet another way to divide the church from the rest of the world. You know, the ch- the church is often accused of being anti-science, anti-medicine, anti-this, anti-that, and I think this is a very small way, at least here in the U.S., where we can create bridges instead of, you know, more division. But yeah, no, I get that. I, um, you know, when it comes to uh, the the Swedish model, uh, one of the things that has been interesting is that we kind of we kind of took our medicine early, and so the scale has gone down mm-hmm. and stayed down. What we've seen around the world is right. areas that did lockdowns. Basically, it, it, you could see that as soon as they came out of the lockdown, the the numbers went back up. And so, and then when the numbers uh-huh. got went up, people got scared and then they, you know, they went back into lockdown mode. And so you almost got this like yo-yo effect. Whereas in Sweden, yeah. things have kind of, they, they went really high, really fast. And then there was this matriculation coming down and it stayed down. We're now, you know, in July, August was a very good time where people are like, okay, all right, now now we see it. Because there was a lot of like, oh man, I hope this works. I hope this works. We're putting a lot of trust I'm in sure. you, Ted. Um, I'm sure with the, with the eyes of the world on you, there oh must my, have been a moment where you yes. were all crossing fingers just going, please don't blow up in our faces. Yes, and it is yeah, true that Sweden, absolutely. like the entire country of Sweden is outnumbered by the people in New York City alone. There's more people in New York City than the entire nation of Sweden. The area where I'm at now right. is very... Very much like Wyoming. I mean, you know, there's not many people uh-huh. around me. Uh, we don't live sure. in in sure. the village, but the nearest vi- village has a population of 93. 
However, in Stockholm, yeah, yeah, Stockholm and Jotabori, which is Gothenburg on the west coast, those are like I would say that those are like most major cities, but maybe a little bit worse in some ways because it's old Europe, right? Where when people live on top of mm-hmm. each other, they live on top of each other, like New York City. Sure. But when you start getting mm-hmm. into areas like uh, Orange County, San Diego, those are more recent cities where Americans still have, you know, they have their own house or duplex or garage. Sure. Or, yeah. And so when you get into Stockholm, you still got a very densely populated mm-hmm. area where people are not just piled on each other, but they're piled on each other in areas where the roads are still made from the 1600s. Um, the roads are right, still, you know, right. the same width, the same, uh, you know, waste disposal, sanitation kind of control mechanisms that, you know, that space allowed for 400 years ago. And modern day uh, equipment has to fit in that little small space. So there, there, it, we kind yeah. of do get a little bit of exposure to both sides. Like most countries, a lot of population yeah. can, is densely uh, uh, in one area. And then as you get into the more rural farming regions, like where I'm at in the mountains, uh, then you got like two people at best. Um, and now let me, let me just change gears a little bit. I know that you're busy. I don't want to take up a lot of your time. I just find this conversation super interesting, but, um, I'm, I am on board with you when it comes to, you know, well, kind of on board. I'm on board in the way that I don't think that if I were, if I were put into a situation where I have to wear a mask, well, I know that I would. I know that I would because during this time that we have been or the world has kind of been on lockdown, I had to travel to Germany and and different parts of Europe and I had to wear a mask during that time. Um, And because I'm I'm an EU citizen, I can travel to different areas even during lockdown. But uh, I put on a mask to get on the airplane to go to the airports, you know, because without that, they would not have allowed me to get into the airport. So I get that. Right, right. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't think it works, but I'm putting it on just because if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel easier, if it allows me freedom, you know, I'm going to do it. Yeah. The hill, the hill that I am willing to die on, however, and I would, I, because you are in Southern California, I would just love to kind of hear your take on this. Um, the hill that I am willing to die on is the fact that, that fellowships, uh, Christian fellowships have been banned for so long. I mean, we're, we're going or right, going to be quickly right. approaching half a year where individuals have not been allowed to congregate and be with one another yeah. as is a part of our faith. And I don't think that it's necessarily right. a, uh, a, a, a something that has to do with my salvation, right? If I skip a couple services or I do a couple services online for a month or two, I don't feel like that's really going to hurt my 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 salvation. Could be wrong. My salvation might already be in jeopardy. But what I what I feel is that you know I'm looking at this George Floyd funeral. People are packed. It's allowed. Sure. It's no problem. Yeah. I just saw the the um, I want to say Joe Wilson, not Joe Wilson. Um, the the uh, congressman that just passed away, uh, where President Obama spoke at his funeral. Yeah. His yeah. funeral was completely allowed, no problems at all. Nobody uh, blinked an eye. But Chicago is having church raids. Um, California said mm-hmm. no singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, what? Yeah. That's that's a hill that I think I would be willing to die. The, the mask, I'm with you, not on board. What are your thoughts? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that, that's that's another such an interesting topic here because I can pose a couple things to you. So, first of all, as I've thought about this, um, I, I've thought a lot about what is the church, and you and I both know that the church is not a building. So, whether you're meeting in a building or you're meeting on a mountaintop or whatever, I've been to church in many countries and many different scenarios. And um, frankly, I've had experiences with with God outside of a building that perhaps were even more powerful than inside. I feel that um, because the church is not a building, a lot of churches are having services outside and we've been able to go and be outside and that hasn't been too much of an issue. But when you get into the rating and the it's another way in which the church and the world is divided. And that's hard. That's a really hard scenario because I agree with you. Our religious freedom is something that we built our country on here in the U.S. So it's very important. And I saw these um, revivals. for on, sure a spiritual yeah. battle going on. I think that's where you see some of the hypocrisy coming in with the funerals and you know, something that aligns with me, I'm going to allow, but something that doesn't align with me, I'm not going to allow. You can certainly see some of that yeah, for sure. And, and one um, of the things that I've really enjoyed, because I miss California. I don't miss the politics. I don't miss the government, but I <laughs> love California. Yeah. There's just something about the, the people there. They're not uptight. They're pretty relaxed. I mean, uh, I don't know how uh, you've lived in California most of your life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're a West Coast Yeah, originally uh, from the Northwest, but right. always on the West Coast. And then in California for, gosh, about 30 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, coming from more the, the Midwest, there was this feeling in California that, wow, you can go to church wearing, you know, cargo shorts and a T-shirt, flip-flops. What sure. is this? Right, um, right. I it's love about it. your heart, not about yeah. what you're wearing. Absolutely. And, and there were people that I would see, you know, going out to fine dining, uh, you know, and they, mm-hmm. you know, it, there was nobody wearing a tie. It was like khaki pants. And I just, I loved, I loved the fact that you could be in the beach one minute and an hour drive be snowboarding and another hour drive be oh, in yeah. the desert you know yeah. and you could be most people don't know this but california has the biggest farms in the united states they produce some of the most uh agricultural products in the united states uh once you start driving yep, up north absolutely yeah once you start driving up north you're talking about farm country and i just i love that and so when i it's saw basically a it's basically like a country state so it really it's the is. fifth largest economy in the world which makes it basically a very large country that is an independent state so yeah you've yes. got a lot of everything from but the beach what, to the mountains to the farmland. Yeah, what challenges me though is that because once you start getting into Northern California, you got a lot of conservative areas. When most of California, you got a lot of conservatives, but those densely mm-hmm. populated areas, they dictate what yeah. everybody else has to live by because they have the representation. Um, and so local government can be great, but local government can only be as great as the state government will allow them. Just like state government can only be as great as the federal government will allow them. So I, I, I love California and I miss it. But when I saw, I think it was just a couple days ago, um, the worship leader from Bethel church in Redding, California, leading, uh, like these massive services out on the beach, 
I was so hungry, Heidi. Mm-hmm. I so wanted to be there. Yeah. I was like, I love yeah. this. And it was in direct yeah. defiance. Yeah, it, it, you can't beat that view, that's for sure. No, and then they were doing baptisms. So it was several thousand people from all around that came to the services. Hundreds were being baptized in the ocean. And I was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. Guys, keep going. Because like you, I on it, I mean, I don't have to to have a bill. I, you know, I've been living in China for the last 20 years. I've been working with churches in North Korea, Somalia, Sudan, Iran, Iraq, China. I don't need a building, but I do believe that we cannot forsake the fellowship of the believers. And just like, just like traveling, I travel a lot, right? I travel more than 300 days Mm -hmm. a year up until this year. Talking with my wife on uh, Zoom or Facebook or or uh, FaceTime, um, talking with my with my children by video chat, it's a great substitute for not being there. But man, it does yeah. not it does not replace the feeling of being with mm-hmm. them in person. And I kind of feel that is yeah. the same for the church. And it's been I think m- many Christians took the government at their word and said, okay, two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, we can do this. We Mm -hmm. can absolutely do this. But now, dude, August, your time frame has Mm -hmm. run out. Your restrictions are are no longer valid. Not only no, no longer valid because the disease is still going, but no longer valid because I've seen you and all of your cronies come together yep. in settings that I'm not being allowed to. Yeah, the, the hypo- when you start to see the hypocrisy, people begin to push back, and there's going to be that. I mean, America, Americans in general tend to be very independent by nature, fiercely independent. And that's one of the things I respect and admire so much about my country is that fierce independence, that um, kind of just desire for freedom, that longing for freedom and choices. And and while I love that, I do think that the pendulum can sometimes swing too far in another direction. And I think in some in some ways, America tends to shoot itself in the foot sometimes when the pendulum swings so far in one direction or the other. Um, that independent nature suddenly becomes a lack of care for your community and other people. And so there are instances, but let me pose this question to you because I think as we've, as we, as we've talked about the church and how the place that the church is at right now at this pandemic, um, I do think you're right. I think that there's hypocrisy involved and there's this time frame is why you see churches starting to push back. Obviously, many churches open outside, which which I fully support. Um, but we, having been in China, in communist China, for so many years, and obviously in many, many countries, I want to ask you this. America, America has been very comfortable for a very long time. Our, our, our church community has been in a very comfortable place with our freedoms. We've had our big buildings and our air conditioning and our cushy seats. And I don't necessarily know that the gospel thrives in comfort so much as it thrives under pressure. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is this maybe God working in a way to shake up the church in the U S and say, let me take, let me let's remove your buildings let's remove your distractions and now i want to put some pressure on you 
and see what happens. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. It, it absolutely makes sense. I just posed this question to myself on our Saturday morning podcast. Uh, because I do believe, like you said, I do believe that comfort is the daily diet of apathy, of the apathetic Christian. Mm-hmm. It, comfort is their daily diet. And and let me tell you right. that I love comfort. I love comfort. I don't, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I we love, all do. Yeah, I love to yeah. eat what I want to eat. Let me, uh, I work with a persecuted church, but I avoid persecution at all costs. I work, <laughs> I work right. with a church that is living in poverty. But I like to stay at comfortable hotels. I don't always, and I'm mm-hmm. okay when I'm not. But if I have the preference, right. I will choose comfort. Um, I travel Same, yeah. in relative knowledge that I will be able to leave a country that is not that safe. I've had the golden parachute of two different passports from two different countries that I feel are quite free. So when I go into a place like Somalia, Iran, North Korea, I kind of know I can leave. Yeah, there might be a chance that I can, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not in the same sure. boat as the people that I'm serving. And when I yeah. see their level of intensity and zeal and compassion and passion for the gospel, yeah, um, I right. admire it. So I, I'll give you an example. I, I wrote the biography of probably one of the most uh, well-known underground house church pastors in all of China. He has a uh, church of over 10 million believers, according to Wikipedia. Um, he is, wow. um, just by himself, he has one of the world's largest uh, denominations. Uh, and I, I, I've spent a couple years with him, just traveling with him, mm-hmm. listening to him, writing his story together with him. So I basically wrote his yeah. biography um, through his eyes as much as I could. And when I, and you gotta, you gotta think about it. I mean, I'm traveling with a guy that has more people in his church than we have in the country where I'm sitting right now. And so right. I, I'm, right. I'm with it's, him. It's, <laughs> and and add that to the fact that it's growing at that rate under a communist government that would do anything to shut it down. Exactly. That is pressure. I mean, America doesn't have pressure like that. And that was one of the things that I wanted to get to is that um, as I followed him, uh, I admired his leadership. I admired his influence. I admired his knowledge and wisdom that he had gained about God and, and from God. What I and I, I would have liked to be in that same place where he, you know, knowing the things that he knows, uh, having the wisdom that he has. I admired that and, and desired it for myself. What I did did not desire and I do not desire is to go through what mm-hmm. he went through in order to get right. what he got. And I right. even Absolutely. though I even though I avoid. <laughs> opposition. I, I, I avoid discomfort. Um, I, I, I try to take the, the path that is easy. Even if it's, even if it looks difficult today, I take like, Oh, for instance, I was a scout sniper in the Marine Corps as a scout sniper. When I knew you, I was a scout sniper in the Marine Corps. That was one of the hardest schools to go through in the U S Marine Corps. I, a lot of people are like, wow, you really wanted to be a sniper. 
I wanted to be a sniper because I saw them working in two-man teams and didn't have to put up with the crap of dealing with big units and unit sure. commanders. <laughs> they were out there on their own by yeah. themselves for you know days at a time. I was like, I want that job. So I took that job and went through the crap yeah, in we the beginning. Take, we take the path of least resistance by yep. nature, human exactly. nature, I yes. think, for sure. Yep, and I took the path of a, a little bit harder, but I took it because I knew it would be easier if I got to the goal. And it would be easier mm-hmm. for me and my personality. Yeah. But one of the things that I've seen in the church in the United States is that this pressure, this opposition, this persecution, if you will, is starting to bring out a remnant in the church that is becoming more bold, more vocal, ready to sacrifice more of their life. They're realizing that many of the material items that I own have zero meaning for me if I do not have the gospel with me. Now, there are Christians and individuals that are like, you know what, I would rather compromise with the enemy. But I have seen in China that those that compromise to the end lose their faith. Whereas those that mm-hmm. take a stand end up becoming energized by God himself mm-hmm. and used in amazing yeah. ways. And what they go through is not easy and it's, and it's not enviable. But I have to say, I love what God does when his church is under pressure. So is this by design? Yeah. I don't know. But can God use it? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember sitting in church, uh, um, you know, and we've been blessed to be, be involved with a great church and sitting in these great comfortable chairs with the air conditioning blowing on me, just the right worship, you know, surrounded by people that I know care about me. And I remember hearing, you know, we would hear sometimes about other countries and that this could all be stripped away. And now where are we in August? That is all at this point been stripped away, probably temporarily. But right now, I it makes me wonder if maybe God is saying, okay, you're too comfortable. Let me shake this up a bit. Let's see what you do with it. Yeah, I, so, I completely I think, hear you. I and I know most Americans feel, okay, this is not our lifestyle. Everybody knows this is a special situation. Everybody knows that mm-hmm. this is something we have to come together on to, to defeat. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. this becomes, because there are a lot of opportunists out there that do are, that are hungry for power and could very well, mm-hmm. you know, did not want to see all of this happen. But now that it has, can very well see this as an opportunity to move in and build a power structure that does take away those freedoms. And that I do right, believe... Right. Can we can't actually, have that. Can we need can. to? Those I, are hills we should die on. You're I, right. I, and I love and what President Reagan said when he said, "We're only one generation away from losing our freedom." Yeah, yeah. It's not born in our blood. Yeah. We didn't inherit it. We. It's not in our DNA. It's not something that we get because we're special. Um, that that's that is the that's the idea of those that in, in embrace um, uh, the, the teachings of evolution, 
that if you believe that mm-hmm. you know we are evolutionary beings like they do in North Korea, then it is believed that you inherit certain characteristics in a way that you can be punished for your father's sins or you can be rewarded for your father's good deeds. Where we believe mm-hmm. that we have what we have because we stand on the shoulder of our fathers, but we can screw it up at any given time. We can lose it on any given day uh, because it is something that we continually have to fight for. We don't deserve it. We have to earn it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and we've been very blessed in America to have so many of those freedoms. Um, and now seeing the struggle for freedom, individuality versus maybe what's good for the community, it is very interesting. It's an interesting time not only to be in the U.S., but to be a believer in the U.S. Yeah, and, and this very is one of the reasons why I love having you on. I'm so thankful that you said yes uh, because you are a mother. You are concerned about the health and welfare of your children. You are a, an entrepreneur. You're concerned about the health and wealth of your business as well as your customers. Mm-hmm. You are a citizen, yeah. so you are worried about the health of your fellow citizens. So I thought that you, know, you coming yeah. on and just sharing a logical viewpoint from somebody who supports wearing the mask um, in the U.S., at least for this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is, it's been interesting, and I have been pretty open about my thoughts and my feelings, and I think there's a good balance between science and medicine versus um, faith. I think you can find a balance. And I think that's what I struggle with as a mom and a Christian and a part of the community that I care about is how do I find that healthy balance to make others feel cared for and respected, but yet at the same time, as you mentioned, making sure that I don't take for granted the freedoms that I have. And it it's like, again, that pendulum. Sometimes it swings too far, maybe you know, and sometimes we have to bring it back into balance. Yeah. So. Yeah, completely agree. And uh, I, you know, it, as fate would have it, you are in a place that requires a mask, and you are more than willing to wear one and defend it. I'm in a place that does not require masks, and I'm mm-hmm. more than willing to defend not wearing a mask. I want to thank yeah. you so much, yeah. Heidi, for joining us. It's and been, and maybe, yes. I, maybe I should be coming down to visit you when those countries open up. Welcome anytime. My I can wife leave sends my her mask greetings. Behind. Yes. Um, I am actually in, uh, we have a, like a little guest cabin where we're at. It would be a perfect place for you to stay if you and your family ever come. I would love that. Yeah. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much, Heidi. Again, I'm so appreciative that you joined us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Okay. You too. Take care. Bye. And God bless you for joining us. I hope that it was as much of a treat for you as it was for me. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless.